Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Join us for a journey as we go back to the great civilizations of the past. Who were the people? What were they like? How did they begin? And how did they end? Let's find out on Fan of History. Hello, Dan. Hello, Bernie. We have done this podcast for seven years and now we have reached the ultimate subject the questions you asked in your head all these years we have come to the subject of the weather (laughs) you didn't know what you were gonna say (laughs) oh that's funny of course (laughs) <laughs> you want to see these people in your mind's eye and you want to imagine them, what they're doing. But it's hard to imagine a scene if you don't know the weather. That's right. I mean, like, was were the Assyrian army, were they flaying a whole bunch of people? Was it raining? Was it snowing? Was it sunny? <laughs> it's not just murder and mayhem. It's a lot of other parts of history, right? The weather is always there. Yep, it shapes a lot of things when you think about it. Let's talk about our sources for the weather. Yes, so our sources are, I, I, as you may have heard me say before, I'm a huge fan of Karen Radner and a seriologist. She's in Austria and she's in, the, she's in Munich, I believe. Anyway, she's very, uh, I read a lot of her things. I watch a lot of her videos and she had this course called Coursera, and it was like a I got a I got a good grade. I actually took a whole course on Syria and life in the Assyrian Empire, and um, so she's a source for this, and also you know just the source of what's the weather like in that part of the world. But um, I did we use her a lot for that for our sources. 
This must be very excellent weather because it is the cradle of humanity, the cradle of civilization. Right. Not humanity, Good civilization. Point. Right. Perfect weather for growing humans, I would say, because if it's too nice, you know, you don't need to build cities and farm and have a whole integrated system, right? You just live right off the land. You could probably live like that forever. Exactly. If you're in Africa on the savannah, it's like oh, everything is nice, oh, except the lions. Yeah, that's always a good part. Although there were lions apparently in you know our part of the world at those times as well. I know Asher Nasipal II did something about that. Yes. And uh, there's a funny story too in um, the Bible where uh, in Israel when um, after they were, you know, exported, taken away from Israel and the, the northern kingdom. The king of Assyria got a um, message that the, pe the people that he moved in, you know, because they took people out of Israel and moved them in. The people that they moved in didn't, didn't know how to worship their God properly. So their God sent lions against them. So he had to send a priest back of the religion so they could properly know how to worship the God so that the lions wouldn't attack them anymore. Oh, this reminds me that we so. need to have an episode about hunting as well. Because I found a good oh, source yeah. for that. Okay. Well, we'll have an episode on hunting for sure. I'll add it right away. Give the listener an insight in our planning. So, there. Yes. Right, weather. Hit us. Yeah, so... I mean, people, do you think it's a... People, when they think of of that area of the world a lot of people probably just think it's a all desert right yep because it's mostly it, desert today yeah it is mostly technically it's mostly desert especially there's of course there's the huge desert area where when you always look at the map you see this is where the arab tribes lived you know it's sort of arabia saudi arabia today so that's totally desert and then in the south so you know the Assyrian heartland is basically the northern Iraq, and then Babylon is Iraq today. So if you consider that area, the south of Iraq is desert, but the, the Tigris and the Euphrates um, go right through there. So they're very fertile. So it doesn't rain, but it's not, um, you know, all sand because the rivers fertile, um, you know, irrigate everything. But then the north is the Mediterranean climate. So it's, uh, you know, you have four seasons, winter, spring, summer, and fall. And that area would go today to, you know, uh, Mosul today uh, it was like Nineveh. And it's still pretty close to the climate. A little bit more north is, would have been Asser. And then go west, you know, Syria and in the Turkey area today or Anatolia. And that's a Mediterranean climate, which relied on rainfall. But the southern area relied on the rivers so you, so you could either be in the south and have it hot all the time but you do have a lot of uh, food or you could be in the north and have a mediterranean climate with seasons that sounds nicer i think it really does i could see why you'd want to live there i mean it's a little violent today but but there is a surplus of cities in the south compared to the north yes and that is kind of where the civilization you know, before our time period, here's, you know, started down there. It was much more fertile um, back then. Well, that's another thing is the rivers, they change course more frequently than other rivers. So, um, for example, the Nile is pretty much where it's always been. 
but the tigers and the Euphrates are not. They, you know, it's not like they move every five minutes, but you know, within a lifetime, they move plenty enough that it, you know it does change. Um, I was talking with Sai yesterday. He mentioned Sai from History with Sai, and he mentioned that you know the city of Ur, where it was, where it was, there was not a river near it anymore, very far away compared to where it was in the ancient days. So. So the Ni- so things have changed. The Nile sounds a lot better, but uh, in Mesopotamia you have two rivers, which is an advantage. Mm-hmm. Yes, but they were just mu- they were more unpredictable. So and then you know so in the north you relied on the rain, in the south you had the rivers, but the rivers didn't always flow the same way. So it's not only that you need the water to irrigate them. But you also need the water to not come ripping through your fields and destroy all your crops. That's not good either. I, I am under the impression that the, the flooding of the Euphrates and Tigris are quite different from the Nile, not as yep. regular. Totally. Yep. Totally different. And as a gardener myself, I mean, I'll tell you, I'm going to say to the fans, if you really love history, gardening is a little good hobby to get into, especially during pandemic times. Because it really teaches about what people had to do, you know, like you have to put your crops out a certain time, you have to do certain things. And gardening isn't the same as obviously supporting your family on a farm. But anyway, it gives you the gives you the idea. And if you know, you have a last year I had a bad rainstorm, knocked over a bunch of my plants, you know, so same thing with them. The river could come through and just destroy them. But the Nile was amazing because it just flooded, left all this beautiful soil, fertilized it, and then it went back. And then you planted everything on it, and you had like an amazing, you know, and this is why Herodotus did call, you know, the Nile. Um, Egypt is the, the Nile is the gift of Egypt, right? Is that what he called it? I think so. Gift to something, yeah, the Nile is the God's gift, you know, to them, so. But it's different, it was definitely different in our, you know, in um, Assyrian Empire, um, because you just, it wasn't as predictable. The rain, so you needed the rain up the north to grow your crops. You needed the floods down the south to, to go the right directions and all that kind of thing. And then you had this other area is the steppes. So you had an integrated system as far as your food supply was concerned because you had your southern crops. You know, they relied on the, to some degree, the rain in the north, but they still, the rivers didn't dry up. So, you know, the, you control the rivers so you could have your crops. If you had a bad year in the north, you still had your pastoralists who were, you know, uh, in the spring, they'd bring their flocks out into the steps because the steps were growing now they would so then you know then they would have dairy products and dairy you know sheep and uh, cows to eat and things like that so that was an integrated system as far as you know food and um that kind of thing yeah um you know what's also interesting we said about the gods i thought found interesting is that the storm god is very important. So the storm god was a dad. And in the south, he was kind of a bureaucrat. He made sure that the the dikes and the sluices and the levees and all the things, you know, kind of went the right way and that kind of thing. And But in the north, he was a regular old storm god with lightning bolts. And he could make the desert bloom or he could dry your ass up for four years, five years, you know, and you could have a huge problem. So it's kind of interesting how, how, that, how that works too. Yes, we'll get more into that when we come to religion because uh, the Assyrian gods and the Babylonian gods uh, are 
quite interesting. And uh, the same god in two different cultures is quite different, just like Hadad. Absolutely. And don't forget, Yahweh was a storm god, too. He was? Yeah, originally. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. He was a storm god like a long time ago. I mean, that's a whole thing. I mean, he might have storm. But yeah, he was a, he lived on the mountain and... And that's a whole different climate over there. But that's important because that was a big part of the... So this is why weather is important to history because you have the farmers, you have different kinds of farmers, but then you have the pastoralists. And that is a big story of ancient history. I mean, the, some of the, is, that's a big story in Israel, how the pastoralists and then the settled people sort of became the culture of, you know, of the Israelites. And... And then in, in our in the Syria area, in the heartland, you know, you, same thing. You have these people that were pastoralists and people that were farmers. And then, you know, as we see through history, a lot of times there's conflict between these people. But they also need each other. So I think you also see when cool. the Assyrians come to a new place, they are very reluctant to conquer it if it is different enough from what they're used to. Like the Saudi desert... Like the Mediterranean, they're like, oh, well, let's turn, let's turn in another direction. Yeah. Um, one thing that surprised me about the little-known first Assyrian Empire, which seems to be very reliant on trade, is that they are deep into Turkey, in places that are quite um, different from the Assyrian heartland. Mm-hmm. But that's uh, that's not our subject. I'll I'll talk about the Middle Assyrian Empire quite a bit in upcoming episodes. Yeah, because we kind of talked about that with Sai, where he said that you know that's where they started with those trading posts and in in Anatolia, and you do find you know it seems like a lot of the battles and things, you know, now that I I think about it, a lot of the big wars were over different places in Anatolia, 
So they definitely wanted to keep control of that too. Yeah, the, the Assyrians were no strangers to the mountains. Right. I guess the parts of southern, like parts of Anatolia and Syria, were steppe and somewhat Mediterranean. So it's a, it is a, it's a weird area right there when you think, because then you have those mountains, and then you have Iran with the mountains. That's a whole different climate altogether there. I mean, it could snow in northern Iraq, you know, in Mosul, which is Nineveh. It could definitely snow snow sometimes there, and then you have the desert in the south. Huh. Yeah, I think the the mountains in Persia kept the Medes safe from annihilation from the Assyrians. Yes, it definitely did. Okay, back to weather. Yeah. So it, it you know the thing is how does it how does the weather affect people? Like we're saying, just. Just, you know, um, how the system was where if it was bad in the north. So in the north, you have this risk zone. You need 200 milli- millimeters, millimeters, milliliter. No. You need eight inches of rain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard for us Americans. We use this crazy system, right? Yes. Eight inches of rain isn't that much. Um, so it's very dry, but it's enough, it's enough to grow what they have there. But if you don't get the eight inches, then you have a problem. So then you have drought. And, you know, drought usually comes a couple years at a time. So then you would have, you know, bad harvests. So then you have to take advantage of the, you know, the pastoralists and what happened in the South. So how would that affect people live, like, politically? I mean, you know, we know that Assyria and Babylon and, you know, the Syria area, the Western, were always fighting over something that, you know, as the empire, they needed those resources. That's definitely one way it affected them. And then just the seasons um, in the north and the pastoralists. So the pastoralists, they weren't like full-blown nomads. I know we discussed this in another episode where, you know, basically they had their um, settlements and then they would go out during the spring to feed their crop, their flocks. Then you come back in the winter and before the winter hits, you would slaughter the males because you don't want to take care of all those animals all winter. So you would slaughter the males, and then the females, of course, may be pregnant, and you're going to keep some to have more, you know, keep it going. And, you know, sort of have a nice, easy winter. I shouldn't say easy, but you don't have to do as much work. You just have to live, not die in the cold, or whatever the temperatures are at the time. I mean, it's not as cold as Sweden, obviously, but it's still, um, you know, things aren't growing. You can't just go out and pick food. And so it's, you know, survive the winter, and then starts all over again. I imagine this is what most of Greece would be like as well. Yeah, Mediterranean, absolutely. Except that it's rocky, and as we said, they um, they didn't have as good a farmland. And that's why the Dorians liked Greece so much, right? Because they were all herdsmen. Yes, right. And that's so. That's the thing. A nice, a nice spring with all this grass is just you know bring all your herd there, and you could feed it. I guess that's so my gardening reference. I guess I should become a herdsman for a while to figure out how that goes. Not really. I think that's not a good thing to do in the middle of a city. Yeah, no. People get into it. They have like chickens. I have a I had a neighbor who used to have chickens, but uh, <laughs> that's different. That's a farm. A herd. <laughs> a herd's a whole different thing. Yes, we do have uh, in in Sweden uh, uh, reindeer herds, and. Uh, the Sami people who traditionally use the reindeer herds. That's amazing. I have seen that. So they, they've been living like that for thousands of years. Uh, it's uh, 
actually the recent news that the 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 people are not that ancient as we thought they were, but it's at least three thousand years old. Huh. We we don't have any, but uh, uh, a lot of people here. It's like a, it's a, it's a difficulty because these reindeer herds are enormous, and uh, you definitely have to keep an eye out for them when you drive. Because suddenly, like eight hundred reindeer can decide to cross the road, <laughs> and then you're stuck. <laughs> and then there's a guy hurt, or people hurting them. I imagine, right? No, uh, not in that sense. They are they roam oh. free a lot. Oh wow! Yeah, well, that must have been how it kind of was back in the, you know those days. I mean, um, it was the '90s. I went to Europe. And I would spend some time in Eastern Europe and like the Balkan area and stuff. And there were, you would be on the train or on a bus and you would see like huge flocks of sheep and goats. And sometimes just right outside the city. And they would just be, you know, like if you go to outside cities today, you know, you'll see these sort of funny areas where there's just sort of grass growing and stuff. Well, they would have sheep and goats and just, you know, um, just have their herds out there eating the grass. Okay. What was the temperature like? So it was in the Assyrian heartland and like Babylonia in that area. So let's say the heartland, the north, right? And Mosul. So today, Mosul, which is be like Nineveh. And, the, and this would be pretty close. You know, the weather hasn't changed that much in these, this time. So, so now we're in, in April. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> I thought it was the temperature and it was something else. Okay, sorry. So, in the north, in Mo- in Mosul, which would have been Nineveh, and the temperatures are the same. So now in March, the um, average temperature is fifty five degrees Fahrenheit, and um, which would be thirteen degrees Celsius, and the minimum seven degrees Celsius, which is forty five degrees, and the the high temperatures in the sixties, you know, sixty six. But in the summer, it gets hot up there. So like in June and July, uh, 30 degrees, 34 degrees Celsius average, uh, 76, 86, you know. And That does sound very Mediterranean. I was surprised that March would be that cold. Yeah, so then the north is very... I'll, put, I'll post a link to this, uh, these temperatures. So the north is very Mediterranean. Now, Baghdad, which would be near Babylon, the average temperature in March is 62 degrees Fahrenheit, 17. And the high could be 75. But now, in like in June and July, you're looking at, you know, average of in the 89, 95 degrees Fahrenheit, 32, 35 Celsius. But I mean, you can get up to like 111 and that's, you know, here's like the high temperatures, let's say, from May till September, like in the hundreds, you know, so you could be dealing with weather in the hundreds. Wow. But the thing is, if you've got a river and you're fertilizing things, and you got this blazing sun and you have plants that are getting water, you could really grow some stuff. <laughs> I bet you can. You know? It uh, sounds so different compared to the temperatures I'm used to here in Sweden. <laughs> Right. <laughs> and me too here in northeastern Pennsylvania. I think the heat record here is 36 degrees Celsius. 
That must have been a hot day for you guys, though. Uh, yeah, that was pretty hot. It was like uh, yeah. a long time ago. Yeah. I think that the, the coldest I've experienced here is actually the same, but minus, minus 36 degrees Celsius. I cannot for my life tell you what that is in Fahrenheit. Why don't you guys come over to the SE system like everyone else? Honest to God, is enough is enough. You know, it's funny. It's um, I read an article saying, and, and this is a little bit off topic, but it's a historically appropriate, that the United States has become like the um, Holy Roman Empire. Just like a bunch of little states, all little different weird laws that are traditional and are sort of stuck, and we're just sort of stuck in this spot. Yeah, you should come over and use like meters and kilograms and stuff. Those are great. It'll be so much easier, you know? As you know, I do read a lot of uh, astronomy. And uh, those are the only Americans I hear that consistently use the SE system. Oh, right. Right. Well, I do apologize to our Swedish and international listeners with my ham-fisted American use of the... Uh, what do you even call it? The not metric system? Hey, what's the name of your <laughs> system? Does it even have a name? I don't know. I think it's English. Uh, we should respect the fact that most of our listeners are actually American. So uh, sorry for being okay, uh, an SE elitist. <laughs> well, anyway, it was hot. here's how it goes. It was hot in the south, like we said, and it was you know more moderate in the north. So. Your northern climate was, your, was, you know, it's a Mediterranean type climate. I think one important thing we should take away from this is that the Assyrians are used used to cold weather, so they can yeah. actually, they are prepared for. They can have heavy snows occasionally. Points they they sort right. of have seen snow, whereas the right. Babylonians have not. Right, but they but it's such an integrated system. They would I would think like you know it wouldn't be like the something they never heard of, you know. Anybody lived in a city would know, you know, they would be things would be coming from the north. They'd probably know traders, you know, not every single person, but would say, oh, you know, it snowed up there, just like I know what it's like in Sweden from talking to you. Yeah, I should uh, I should spoil something from our later episodes here. In that, uh, as you know, Assyria has no coinage. Babylonia has no mm-hmm. coinage. There, there are no coins, and one very common payment uh, for services rendered is uh, clothing. Uh-huh. So clothing is a huge industry in Assyria. And I bet that involves warm clothing. What kind of clothing? Warm clothing for the winter. Oh, warm clothing. So you're like, okay, oh, the, yeah. the weather turned cold. I, and if I've done my duty to the Assyrian state, then I will have winter clothes ready. Right. See, that's how weather affects a culture. Yes. You know, you know because... Like, you need jackets and boots and these kind of things. In the South, you need different things. This was, you know, it was an integrated system, but there was a lot of economy to happen. That's really interesting. Uh, Not uh, Another thing to mention is the location of Ashur itself, which is at one of the best fording spots for the Tigris. Mm-hmm. So then you get a. It's located at the the best trading crossroads in the region because you can cross the Tigris. You can also travel up the Tigris or down the Tigris. So it's a very natural point for trading from a huge area. Right. And fur, of course, was one of the big trade things. Oh, 
Well, that's another thing. From colder places. So the fur had to come out of the mountains. Yes. Gotcha. Yeah. So, I mean, that's how climate and weather and all these kind of things, you know, affect the civilization. I feel like, just like, so I'm an American person living in the United States. I speak English, but my ancestry is Italian and Polish. And eventually I feel like Americans are going to take, we've taken on a lot of traditions of the natives that were here just because of our weather, you know, like Thanksgiving and just certain times of things. And I'm sure that's, you know, that's happened all over the world. That's people move in and the the, the place where you live, you know, changes the culture that you maybe have kept, come from wherever you migrated from. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay, I'll, I need to uh, say something else about the United States. Uh, Let's have it. Risking to alienate our American listeners again. But one thing that fascinates me with uh, the U.S. is that you are... They're extreme in a lot of things, and it's almost all things. I think weather is one of them. Yeah. Because you, your country <laughs> is so big, and you have so many different terrains. And geography is so different. So you have these, like the hottest place on Earth is in the US, right? I think so, yeah. Death Valley. Yeah, I, I actually visited it uh, at uh, one point. I traveled quite a bit in the US. But you also have these heavy snows that we have, and then you have California with beautiful weather and Florida, and it's so different. Yeah, I mean, it is. It's a whole huge continent, but yeah, I mean, now their people are all the same, and yeah, it's true. That's why you don't need I mean, passports, and, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know. God. We should start a podcast, just the differences and stuff. God. <laughs> Sorry, Americans. No, I know. But America, it's funny because we're so big, a lot of Americans don't know what goes around the rest of the world. That's because you already have everything in your country. Yeah, that's the thing. That's probably how it was in Assyria too, right? That's probably where they got it a certain way. In a sense, America is uh, mini America. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yes. <laughs> This was a, kind of a lighter episode, but uh, I think the weather is interesting to know. It definitely is. It's definitely important. You know, it's almost like... Um, you know, if you if you're just starting this podcast, maybe, and you just heard this one, you could like listen to this one and then do the whole podcast starting back in the thousand BC to know like this is the weather of the area we're talking about. <laughs> and we will uh, dwell on life in the Assyrian Empire for a couple of more episodes, and then we'll get back to the 630s BC. But, yes, I promise. But we are close to the end now for Assyria. Yes. And such a, it is. an enormous end it is. It, it may be. It's I, 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 My first episode I feel like I did with you is that no spoilers. And I've been ever since then, I'm like, no spoilers, no spoilers, Bernie. Okay, Assyria <laughs> will do fine, I'm sure. <laughs> it will last forever. <laughs> They're space-fearing now. <laughs> nice speaking to you, Bernie. <laughs> you too, Dan. We'll see you guys again soon. Make sure you check out our Patreon. Yeah, patreon.com. Search for Fano History. Please. And send me messages. We do have an enormous, uh, huge uh, Patreon level that you can uh, enter if you like. And then you can decide uh, some episodes for the podcast. Oh. Ah, but that's uh, fairly yeah. expensive. So do that only if you have a lot of money to spare. I'm speaking to all of you millionaires listening to <laughs> <laughs> history. 
you know what? That's what we need to do. We need to just find a couple of millionaires and boom. Yes. We said, oh, this is a labor of love for me. So anybody who wants to give us a couple of bucks, I appreciate it. I pretty much use the money to be like, you know, buy research and things like that. This is uh, my oldest podcast that is still active and uh, it will remain active for a long time. Yes, I enjoy the heck out of it. So I hope you listeners keep listening and enjoying it and giving us your feedback. I really appreciate it. Thanks for being there, listeners and patrons. Yes, absolutely. All right, well, we'll catch you guys next time. Bye-bye. Fan of history. Bye. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash fan of history. Just a dollar an episode would help us out. Thanks, and see you next time. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.